Hello, everyone. Great to be live with you. Well, the Department of Justice has finally charged Ray Epps with misdemeanor disorderly or disruptive conduct after January 6th. Now, he was the subject of a lot of theories as to whether he was a Fed. There were videos of this man uh, the night before January 6th telling people we're going to go into the Capitol. Then he's on the FBI watch list. Then he's off of the off the FBI most wanted list. And so Tucker Carlson covered it. What's going on with Ray Epps? Then he gets sued for defamation by Ray Epps. And now the media is covering the fact that Ray Epps has finally been charged. So therefore he's not a Fed, but people are just not buying it. Let me show you how the mainstream media, MSNBC covered it today. We learned that a single charge was filed against Ray Epps, a man who was of several January 6th related conspiracy theories. That's right. Uh, Jose, Ray Epps has been kind of a boogeyman uh, in certain right-wing circles because the conspiracy theory arose that he must have been a government operative because he was seen in videos exhorting people to go into the Capitol, but then he was taken down from an FBI webpage and he was never charged. Well, today he was charged with misdemeanor disorderly conduct and a criminal information would suggest that he's going to plead guilty. Uh, he, he never entered the Capitol. He's not charged with violence, uh, but he has said he is, was not a federal informant. And in fact, he is suing five Fox News and Tucker Carlson for defamation. And now that he's been charged with the federal crime, it, it really does suggest that there's no merit to the idea that he was acting on behalf of the federal government on January 6th. You don't remember Tucker's coverage of Ray Epps. Here it is. As part of its coverage last summer, the Times published a video documentary in which the Times reported that one man was actually caught on camera planning an insurrection, encouraging a breach of the Capitol complex. That man's name is Ray Epps. Now, the New York Times noted that Epps was videotaped on both January 5th and January 6th, urging protesters to storm the Capitol. Here it is. We need to go in to the Capitol. Let's go! I'm going to put it out there. I'm probably going to go to jail tomorrow. We need to go into the Capitol. Into the Capitol. Now, in a lot of ways, that's the strangest video to emerge from January 6th. Anyway, Tucker is now facing defamation for highlighting that. But Ray Epps charged with a small misdemeanor disorderly conduct. No seditious conspiracy for him, even though he was trying to orchestrate the breach the night before, uh, as obviously seen on video. Uh, Steve Baker, independent journalist and investigative journalist focusing on January 6th, is going to join me in a bit. He has a lot of intel on Ray Epps, so I'm really looking forward to his take on this because a lot of people are just not buying this slap on the wrist for Ray Epps to, you know, is it just to prove that he's not a Fed? Uh, but real quick, before we bring uh, Steve Baker on, shout out to the sponsor of my coverage. The U.S. debt spike could ignite a long-term rally in gold since March 2020. The U.S. added another $8 trillion in debt, and gold is up 50%. Now, with the Fed raising rates, the interest payment on our debt has surpassed $1 trillion annually. BRICS nations met last month, and oil-rich nations Saudi Arabia and UAE have joined Russia, China, and India 
51% of Americans can't pay their credit card bills, which just surpassed $1 trillion for the first time in history. If this is build back better, increased spending and regulation, it's likely to continue through 2024. Buying gold and silver is a strategic play that several countries are doing today. Who's looking out for the little guy when the government doesn't? Isn't it time that you take a look at gold and silver? Call America's own precious metals company, the National Gold Group. Today, mention my channel, Ivory Hecker, and you'll always get best-in-class service from America's conservative precious metals dealer. National Gold Group has the IRA fee waiver program on qualifying rollovers. Call 888-617-5927, a free investor guide. Uh, is linked down in description, number down in description. National Gold Group is a consumer affairs top-rated IRA dealer. Call 888 888- Six one seven five nine two seven. Remember, there's always a risk of loss. Past performance is not indicative of future results. With that being said, let me bring on Steve Baker. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, Ivory. How's my favorite unindicted uh, independent? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing good. You know, fingers crossed. I don't get indicted. Awesome. <laughs> uh, so, what is going on with Ray Epps? Why is he getting? you know, finally getting this slap on the wrist, what, three years later, and he's not facing these big charges uh, that, that some other folks are facing despite that incriminating video. Well, that's that's a great question. Why isn't he facing other charges other than just being disruptive, uh, essentially, because that's what the misdemeanor charges that he's facing. And there are several other charges that he could be potentially facing had or was the DOJ not so inclined to be very, very selective in their prosecution of January 6th defendants? Because that is one of the, that's one of the uh, as yet untold stories is how selective they are, not charging certain individuals with a particular crime, be it a misdemeanor or a felony, but charging others with that crime who maybe even had done less than a defendant who was in fact charged with those crimes. And, and Ray Epps is a really good individual to begin that analysis on because it's not only that he was charged with this one particular misdemeanor, but he uh, actually knowingly entered a restricted space that day because he was standing at that front uh, line uh, west side barricade before quite for quite some time before it was breached. And it was clearly a sign right there on the barricade that he ran past and, and ran up to the second uh, barricade over that said uh, as clear as day. And I, I have the photo. I should have shared it with you so that you could have showed it here on this podcast, but it said, it said area closed. And, and then on all of those, what they call bike rack barricades on every one of them, there was a sign set area closed, area closed, area closed as you go down in either direction. And so he knew that he was entering a restricted space, but he did not get charged with that. Whereas others who have entered that space were charged. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, there was a uh, independent journalist and this is near and dear to your heart who was just uh, tried last week. Uh, his trial lasted uh, three days, Wednesday through Friday. I was there. I sat in the courtroom every day during his trial. And then Monday morning, yesterday, he uh, or the, the jury came back with a guilty verdict on all four of the basic misdemeanor uh, charges that hundreds and hundreds of January 6th defendants have been charged with. And for some reason, 
Uh, they upset the DOJ, the government prosecutors just obsessed over the fact that he captured this independent journalist named Stephen Horn. He captured on his own video, a sign that had been thrown on the ground that said it was a closed area. The same sign that Ray Epps had clearly in front of him before he went over that breached barricade. So, Stephen was charged with that crime and convicted of that crime, and he'll be sentenced for that crime in January uh, when his sentencing hearing comes up. But Ray Epps wasn't charged with that. And then, and this is the this is a really big one. Do you remember that during the um, uh, West Front um, big melee where the battle line was, there was this huge, gigantic metal framed. Trump sign that was being passed over the heads of, of protesters and they were putting their hands on it. And then they, they slammed that, that sign into the police line. Well, many of the individuals that were putting their hands on that sign and pushing it toward the, the police line were charged with felony charges for basically using a deadly weapon, a battering ram against the police. Uh, one particular individual, a 24-year-old kid, he got charged uh, with using that because he put his hands on that sign, charged and convicted of a felony for using a deadly weapon against the police. And he was convicted and sentenced to 41 months in prison. Well, guess who else put their hands on that sign? One guess. Ray Epps. Ray Epps. Okay. <laughs> so, so there, so that's just the beginning of this. And this is the beginning of how the Department of Justice is selectively choosing who they're going to charge for this crime or this crime or that crime or whatever. Mm. And, and it, and it, and I, I've said this from the very beginning, Ivory, is that if we talk about Ray Epps and we talk about the conspiracy theories surrounding uh, who he is and what he did that day, uh, I have said from the beginning that the main entity who has created this, the conspiracy theory about Ray Epps is not the right wing of the vast right wing conspiracy. It's the Department of Justice and the FBI themselves. That's who's created the conspiracy theory around Ray Epps. My, I mean, my goodness, by first putting him on the FBI most wanted January 6th list, I think he was number 16 originally. And then all of a sudden he disappeared one day with a handful of other uh, individuals off that list. So you begin there. So you immediately ignite the conspiracy theory when you do something like that. And, and we're talking about the guy who was, as you showed the videos a moment ago, crying out, we must go into the Capitol. And so you take that guy off of the most wanted list, and then you start learning more and more and more about him. And not only was he at the first barricade breach, and there was a moment where an individual by the name of Ryan Samsel leaned over and Ray Epps whispered in his ear. And we don't know what he said because Ryan Samsel is a criminal. He's been convicted of other charges before. We don't know who, we really don't know what his, what his reasons for being at that barricade that day was, but Ray Epps whispered in his ear and two seconds, two, literally two seconds after Ray Epps whispered in his ear, Ryan Samsel charged that barricade and the battle was on. Wow. Okay, you uh, shared some video with me from M5 News. Mm -hmm. uh, we can highlight that here. Um, M5 News, I hadn't heard of them, but they have a huge following on Rumble. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, uh, Gary McBride is a, is a um, J6 uh, investigator. He's he is somebody who has mm-hmm. been digging into the videos for a long time now, and he made a very very important discovery about Ray Epps that the mainstream media refuses to cover. And this is another interesting story about this because I have shared personally shared this particular video and this information with quite a few mainstream media journalists myself, and these are mainstream media journalists who have done stories on Ray Epps and who today, by the way, are making fun of the the vast right-wing conspiracy and um, uh, taunting us and taunting others who have uh, had questions about Ray Epps. And before I finish what I'm saying right now, let's be perfectly clear. Ray Epps, there is absolutely not a single shred of evidence whatsoever that he is a Fed. We don't have that Yet, but as I said, the Department of Justice and FBI have created the conspiracy themselves by the virtue of a selective prosecution and seeming to ignore him for two and a half years until just recently. And by the way, the Department of Justice has no problem charging confidential human sources of the federal government or FBI or other agencies. They, they do that all of the time. And that, that's, that's just part and parcel of what they do. So to So to say for them to say and to mock the other side who have legitimate questions and mock us or mock others uh, among us who have legitimate questions about Ray Epps and others like him and say, oh, well, he's been charged now. So obviously he's not a Fed. That's ridiculous because intellectually or if they were being intellectually honest, they would admit that other CHSs of federal government agencies have been charged with crimes as that slap on the wrist. One of my favorite movies, The Depart- Departed, starring uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, showcases uh, Leonardo as an undercover officer. He has to go to jail first as for a fake crime to mm-hmm. prove, you know, to prove to the public that he's a criminal. Right. When really he's a cop. So totally. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a made up story. But yes, they charge people. You know, yeah. even though the, that person is actually working with the police or with the feds. Anyway, so M5 News has this video. I'm going to zoom in here to Ray Epps, circled in red. Given instructions. Goes to the area where they're going to go through. He's going to step away and move over. He's going to talk to a guy here coming up to his his left. Then he starts looking to his left where that guy goes to that he's talking to. He starts pulling on the fence. Watch Epps' arms as he motions to lift the fence up. Now Epps looks back to his right. Epps involved in breach one, and now he's involved with breach two as they go through. Now we're going to jump ahead after two o'clock when the protesters made it up to the West Terrace. 
Okay, before we show the after two o'clock clip, mm-hmm. what's your commentary on that? Well, this is very interesting, and, and this has really greater implications than just the fact that, as you saw in this video, and people can, uh, I hope that you'll provide the link for this video so people can see that on Rumble uh, from M5 yeah. News, is that, is that not only was Ray at the very tip of the spear of the first West Side barricade breach at 12:52 p.m. Let me let me just throw in one little other thing before we continue to this video. Ray Epps, he has said and he testified before Congress at the original House January 6th Select Committee um, uh, hearing that. The reason why he went to Washington, D.C. on J6 was not only to support President Trump, but also to be there with his son and his son's best friend who had already decided to go themselves. And he part of the story is that his wife talked him into going to you know take care of and make sure his son didn't get in trouble. And so uh, he flew all the way across the country from Arizona to Washington, D.C. to support the president, right? Except that he didn't attend the president's speech at the ellipse because the president was speaking from 1157 PM till 116 PM is when he left the stage at the ellipse. And that West barricade breach happened over a mile away. And yet Ray Epps was already there, which means he wasn't at the president's speech. So why, if he was there to support the president, why wasn't he at the president's speech? He was at the barricade, the first barricade breach. So then after that breach happened, then Ray Epps broke out in a run. This is verified, very clear on video, broke out in a run to the second barricade that was set up that you just showed from this video. That barricade was a black, it was actually a black metal fence. It was a semi-permanent fence that had been erected for the inauguration that was coming up of President Biden, the, the, the president-elect Biden's um, inaugural event on January 20th. So this semi-permanent black metal fence was up there. And that's where the, after the first breach, they ran up and they gathered there. And when that fence broke through the very point, once again, Ray Epps was at the very tip of the place where that barricade was, or that fence was broken through. And what makes that fence all the more significant is when two weeks ago, when the Proud Boys were being sentenced by a Judge Timothy Kelly, and the Department of Justice had demanded that there were what they called terrorism enhancements applied to the Proud Boys sentencing, those enhancements were applied because, and I quote directly from the trial and directly from what Judge Kelly said, was because they had put their hands on that fence because they had broken that fence or because they had even shaken that fence. And once again, Ray Epps was right there. Mm. And will he have a terrorism enhancement applied to him because he went through that little black metal fence? Isn't that significant to somebody, anybody? Why isn't the mainstream media asking these questions? Why am I the only one that ever seems to ask these questions? Wow. That is bizarre. Uh, okay, so here's the second clip from M5 News. And uh, when I finish this live stream, I'll add the link to it down in my description as well as the link to 
the indictment of Ray Epps. The link to your blog is in my description right now. Okay, here's the second clip. Here you see Ray Epps. He's working his way up towards the front where the enclosed stairway is. But he doesn't go up the stairway. I'll speed it up for time. Red smoke, mission is over. 30 seconds later, Epps will appear. We're gonna speed it up. It's a lot easier to see the four in front of him and the four behind him. He'll wave at people as he leaves here. Comes behind the tower. It's right there. Goes around the wall. There he is right there. As he disappears out of frame and continues out. Okay, you can definitely see someone making a mm -hmm. speedy exit after that that smoke goes off. But how how can you tell that's Ray Epps? I couldn't tell who anyone was. Yeah, well, Gary had uh, zoomed in on that, and of course, he had been already. You know, if you if you watch the videos long enough, and that particular Capitol Dome video that captured all of this, this was Capitol CCTV video. If you if you are so inclined and you have the patience to watch and track because mm -hmm. once you identify Ray when the crowd was not so dense and you track him the whole time, you can follow him through. And he was, he, he was not that difficult to track. He's a large man. He's six, five. He was wow. wearing very distinctive uh, color. He had the, the tan kind of a camouflage, almost, you know, military kind of um, top on. And then he had the Ray uh, or the red uh, MAGA hat on as well. So if you followed him before the crowd got so dense and then you followed him over to that location, it was easy to track him. But this is the most important aspect of that ivory is that, as I mentioned before, Ray Epps testified not only before Congress, under oath, by the way, and he also has mentioned in his various media interviews, he's only done two significant ones that I'm aware of. That was with uh, the New York Times and then also on 60 Minutes just a few months ago. He had mentioned that, again, his only reasons for being in the Capitol that day was to uh, support President Trump and then to also support his son and his son's friend, that he was only there with his son and his son's friend. Yet when that red flare went off, then instantly eight men gathered up around Ray Epps, four in front, four in back, single file, and they led him out and escorted him out, winding through that big crowd and then took him away from the scene. And by the way, I have shown this video to um, no other way to say it except uh, military special op 
um, sources that I have who had never seen this before. I've showed it to them. I've asked them to analyze this for me. And I said to them, what does the red flare mean? What they say to me is, well, that's called an avalanche signal, that red smoke flare. And what, 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 what does that mean? That means get out. Hmm. That is very interesting. And then he gets out. And then he gets out. So, as I said before, there's no evidence whatsoever that Ray Epps is a Fed. Um, but I have questions. Why isn't the mainstream media showing that video? Why, despite the fact that I have showed this to the New York Times reporter, Alan Fuhrer, who in fact, published back in July of 2022, the de facto apologetic um, uh, article on Ray that turned him into the victim of right-wing conspiracy. Um, I showed, I, I, I didn't show it to him, but I told Alan about this myself. Uh, we, we developed a friendly relationship back during the Oath Keepers trial last year. And I had a conversation with him in which he told me specifically, he said, look, you got to let, let this Ray Epps thing go. He said, I flew out to Colorado and met with Ray Epps and his wife and Ray Epps is a big, you know, oaf. And, and he, if it wasn't for the, his wife, he wouldn't be able to put his pants on in the morning, you know, right. That's what he told me. And I said, yeah, okay, that's fine. I said, but have you seen Gary McBride's video? And I said, no. So I sent him the link. And then in subsequent articles that uh, Alan has written, He's not mentioned that. And so I don't know why the MSM journalists will not ask the same question. Isn't that what we're supposed to do, Ivory? Are we not supposed to ask the questions that are not being answered by either the government or um, the uh, whether we're talking about the DOJ or the FBI or um, the Congress? That's what we do. That's why they call us the fourth estate. But unfortunately, the mainstream media journalists are no longer doing their job. And that's why you and I have to do it for them. All right. That's, that's very interesting. I think I know that there's a lot of peer pressure in the media. I've uh, been a part of that firsthand uh, to, you know, to not ask certain questions. Other you'll Otherwise, you'll be grouped in with these crazy like right wingers or conspiracy theorists or whatever. Uh, you know, that icky label is that the mainstream media doesn't want to be a part of. So there's a big peer pressure not ask certain questions. And maybe that's what that's what's going on with him, which would be self-censorship or or his bosses telling him, let's keep that out. That's let's keep that out of there. Yeah. You know, hopefully journalists who are being censored like that will speak up one day. And hopefully he will one day. Now, when I uh, looked at NBC's coverage of this, of of Ray Epps finally getting uh, charged, which he's expected to plead guilty, by the way, tomorrow. Tomorrow. And he was just charged yesterday. And this is a misdemeanor, which is, I, I don't know if it, oh, I didn't even show you guys the indictment here. Let me bring it up. So... USA versus Ray, James Ray Epps, Sr. Disorderly or disruptive conduct in a restricted building or grounds. Now, I know that misdemeanor disorderly conduct in D.C. you can face as, you know, up to $500 fines <laughs> <laughs> or 90 days in jail or both. I don't know if it's going to be more harsh because it's the capital we're talking about. 
um, the, the election certification, but definitely looking like a slap on the wrist. Now when NBC covered this, they did not at all mention it. And, and the coverage that I, the article and the video coverage from NBC that I saw, they didn't mention at all the video of him literally the night before orchestrating the breach. Right. <laughs> they don't even talk about this at all. Um, I, I have this quote from NBC quote, most of the thousands who unlawfully gathered on the restricted grounds of the U S Capitol have not been charged unless they engage in some sort of, uh, aggravating conduct like attacking police or destroying property. So they're saying, so actually this was, um, so there was, it was, there were scheduled speeches on the grounds, um, Mm-hmm. that day so the people were welcome there um but they're saying that thousands did gather on restricted part of the capitol grounds it was it up to thousands oh was it oh absolutely it was okay. in the the uh, the lots of thousands <laughs> so they're saying basically since all those thousands were not charged you know, it's not a big deal that Ray Epps wasn't charged either. And now he finally is, but it's not big. But uh, <clears throat> they're not mentioning that he was orchestrating things the night before. Okay, so then it says, video shows that Epps attempted to uh, de-escalate tensions between police and riders. <laughs> Look at this. NBC is literally defending him. Video shows he attempted to de-escalate. No mention of the fact that he was orchestrating things. He did. The, uh, there are there are in fact videos where he's telling people to stop, you know, um, attacking police and stop trying to uh, breach the lines. Uh, there are videos of that, but there obviously are the uh, equal and opposite videos of him calling for people to go into the Capitol. And um, so you have those contradictory um, uh, examples. But the, the, prim- the primary thing that everyone should focus on is that hundreds of people have been charged with four basic misdemeanor crimes related to January 6th. Most of those are those who did, in fact, go into the building. Now, if they chose to go the route of a plea deal, a plea bargain, they, they were able to plea down to a single charge. As a um, matter of course, what has happened with several hundred people is that they've been given um, uh, an equal and opposite slap on the wrist. They've been given two years probation, a thousand dollar fine, maybe a few hours of community service, and then sent back home to try and repair their life because, you know, they lost everything at home. Their, 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 Their jobs fired them. They were kicked out of their church or their clubs or whatever, you know, their communities. They lost relationship with friends and family, that sort of thing. But But that was what happened to most of the people who did not decide to go to trial over this because Ray Epps has only been charged with a single misdemeanor charge. And because it's apparent from NBC's reporting, as well as others, is that uh, they already have negotiated a plea deal. So this was the this was a incredibly fast turnaround, Ivory. I know I'm looking at the comment section here. Wow. So expedited. That's yeah. what I was thinking too. They they really sped things up for him while other people rot oh, yeah. and wait. 
Oh yeah. There, there are people that have, there are people right now that have been charged for over two years and their trial is not even for a, a year from now. Are there people that have been rotting in two and a, you know, in the, in the DC gulag for two and a half years before they get their trial, if they have even gotten that yet. And, and so in this particular case, once again, a thing that makes people ask questions. And as uh, you, you're, the title of this podcast is that people aren't buying it when the Department of Justice handles things so differently and selectively and does not have a uniform process. Look, we do not have justice if everybody is not treated by our government in the exact same manner. Now, you can have you can have a government that is a hundred percent totalitarian if they treat everybody in the same manner and every single person knows exactly what the rules are that we're supposed to uh, comport uh, with, then, then there, there actually is a level of justice, even in that horrible type of governance, but in a quote unquote free society, a constitutional Republic, like we are right now, we have a department of justice is not interested in justice. It's interested in getting notches in their gun belt right now for these massive numbers, thousands of arrests and convictions on J six, J six related, uh, uh, trials and, and charges rather. And, and then that, that gets them what they need toward career advancement, that sort of thing. And then for the FBI, they get bonuses. Yes, you heard me correct. The FBI and their, um, their special agents in charge at their field office get bonuses for the number of arrests that they, that they create and the number of convictions that they run through the system. And so that's what they're ringing up right now. They're ringing up paychecks and, uh, are, you know, uh, larger paychecks. And then the, the, the DOJ attorneys are ringing up career advancement by getting the, the notches in their gun belt. That's what we're up against right here. We're not dealing with justice. If it was justice, they would be looking for justice. They're not, they're looking for convictions. And then we have the problem, as I said, of selective prosecution. And then when you look at Ray Epps in particular, you cannot blame the American people for doubting what's going on with this situation. You can't. Right. It's horrible. Uh, And it's really sickening what happened to that journalist that you just covered. I want to highlight your Blaze Media. By the way, you are newly hired by Blaze Media. Yeah. Uh, congrats on that. And you, you have this story, why independent journalism will land you in prison. Um, so this, uh, this man, Stephen Horn, he was just 25 years old. He's been doing independent journalism since 16, but because he covered January 6th as an independent, he is going to jail. I think he probably will. I mean, he was convicted of those same four basic misdemeanor charges that most people have been uh, facing if uh, if arrested and charged by the government. And he was arrested all the way back in April of 2021. And the interesting part of his story is that when he was there on the on the 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 sixth, he caught a couple of hours of very uh, important video. Some of that video has been used in trials. Some of the biggest trials, uh, his he had video that was used in the the Oath Keepers trials. And then, in addition to that, the day after, he contacted the FBI to let them know that hey, I saw violence and I saw 
property damage. And if you would like to have access to my videos that will help you in your um, uh, investigation into those who perpetrated violence that day, I will, I'm happy to hand over my videos. And he did that on January 7th, but the FBI ignored him. And then they waited until early April and then they called him in for an invest, uh, a, uh, an interview. And then shortly thereafter, they arrested him. They marched him before a magistrate in his hometown, actually where I live, as a matter of fact, here in Raleigh, North Carolina. And they had him in leg chains and arm chains and an orange jumpsuit, just like he was a violent felon, which he wasn't. And that's how his January 6th experience began, just like that. And then you fast forward two and a half years later, and he faced a um, uh, a jury in D.C. last week. I was there for all three days of his trial, covering it in the courtroom. And I will tell you that this young independent journalist who had six, had many years. I mean, he was only 22 on January 6th. He's 25 now, but from 16 years old, he had press passages and badges for that. He had acquired in his journalism and his journalistic efforts for covering various types of events. That's all he wanted. That's all he ever wanted to do was be a journalist. And so, um, he had, he's produced a couple of documentaries. He's got one out on doc on uh, January 6th, as a matter of fact. And then in addition to that, uh, he had uh, uh, had even gone to Africa on a missions trip with his family, and there he covered a particular situation where uh, children were being sexually abused in an African school, and he wrote a story on that, actually investigated that situation as a, as a kid. And so he has a background in it, but the government would not allow him to present evidence of his historic journalism before uh, before January 6th, and they basically, in the trial, belittled his journalism and basically made him out to be uh, a person who suddenly be claimed to become a journalist that day, and they did not allow him or his attorneys to present that evidence, a written, documented evidence. Even I, I have them. I have photos of press passes and badges that he had been issued back when he was a teenager. Is our justice system just totally compromised? I don't understand. This... I've been hearing so many cases this year where the courts prohibit key evidence from yeah. being heard. Yeah. And this is exactly that. And I, I mentioned earlier a couple of times this issue of selective prosecution because Ivory, there were somewhere between 80 and 100 journalists who went into the building at the Capitol that right. day on January 6th. But if you released your story to the right organization, whether it was Buzzfeed or the New Yorker or daily, you know, the daily cause or daily beast or whatever, if you released your story or your videos or your photography to the correct organization, you did not get in trouble. But if you released your story either um, independently or uh, to the wrong organization, then you face the selective prosecution of the federal government. That sounds like a massive violation of the First Amendment uh, because we need a completely free press, not just a select group press members who yes. we've been learning these past few years that the corporate media is quite in bed with the government. And so we need to have independent media 
to be able to cover these historic events as well. You know, there's a matter of law, and you know this as a journalist. Being, just being a journalist does not give you license to enter a restricted space. This is right. federal law. This right. is state law, local law. You, you don't suddenly have privileges that the rest of the uh, public uh, doesn't have restricted space is respect restricted space even for journalists but it has also been common practice by policing organizations local government state governments to allow journalists to get into restricted areas or sometime behind police lines in order to cover the news and they don't have to but that's kind of been a you know it's been a thing that, that that has been allowed for you know generations in this particular situation it is no more complicated than this the federal government either needs to charge every single journalist who entered the building or entered restricted spaces that day or charge no journalist for doing so. You Absolutely. don't get to make that choice based on the political background, viewpoint, uh, opinion analysis of that individual journalist. And that's the problem with what we're facing related to January 6th. Well, I hope that Stephen E. Horn takes this all the way to the Supreme Court. Yeah. Because we need people like him to stand up for our First Amendment. I recently posted on Instagram um, a case that was taken to the appeals court and will likely go to the Supreme Court regarding the Biden administration actually orchestrating the censorship we've been dealing with on social media. And so it takes someone appealing, taking this to a higher court because these are obvious First Amendment violations. Yeah, you've got to treat the members of the press the same, for sure. I mean, I've covered wildfires and almost been arrested for being invited by someone behind the burn line. Mm. Um, so you, even as a journalist, you can't go behind the burn line, even right. though the people want to know right. what's going on further into the fire. Uh, but... I was ordered to leave immediately or be arrested. So mm -hmm. yeah, there are restrictions, uh, but yeah, you can't just, tr you know, allow some media to go wherever and then criminally charge others. Mm. That's messed up. <laughs> yes. um, so Steve, people have been asking me about your case. Yeah. Uh, you were, you know, you were subpoenaed. And you were working on this bombshell story. What's the latest? Uh, yeah. So, we, you know, you and I, we, you and I, you and I go back two years uh, back when I was originally threatened with prosecution by the DOJ for exactly what we're talking about for covering January 6th. And um, you and I and uh, a bunch of others, I think successfully, at least at the very least, got them to put my file at the bottom of somebody's, you know, pile of uh, potential defendants to prosecute. And we what's, what's that prosecutor's name again? Uh, Anita Eve. Uh, Anita Eve. Yes. Anita Eve probably. Anita Eve probably doesn't want to end up in prison for violating a major yeah. constitutional law. Well, Anita Eve doesn't like you and she doesn't like me. She especially doesn't like you because you were the first journalist to actually take the email uh, that she sent to my attorney and post it on your blog and or your, your uh, podcast and put her name and her email address or contact information out there. And, and so what, 
what ended up happening is they left me alone for 20 months. And then a couple of months ago, I got a grand jury subpoena for my uh, January 6 videos. They re- apparently reopened my case. And interestingly, and this is, uh, would be of, uh, of uh, interest to your, your, uh, your followers, is that the same FBI agent in charge of my case was the one in charge of Stephen Horn's case. And he was sitting there at the prosecution table in the trial last week. And of course I was sitting on the front row there in the gallery. And so um, my investigating uh, FBI agent, he and I were able to, you know, nod at each other and say, you know, good morning, uh, Mr. Baker, as he said to me, I said, good morning, Mr. Noyes. And so, uh, um, so I had that, going for me last week. And, and then uh, the, as far as my, my individual case, my personal case is concerned, there's no uh, information whatsoever. They won't give us any information. Anita Eve will not respond to emails or phone requests from my attorney for updates on what's happening going on, ongoing with my case. So I still continue to wake up everyone at six o'clock in the morning and wondering if I'm going to see the red dots uh, coming through my bedroom window from, you know, a, 12 or 15 or 20 man FBI raid. I, I, you know, I, I just don't know. I have no idea. And that's what I've been living with for over two years now. Wow. Well, I hope you have surveillance cameras all ready to capture it. Perfect. So Steve's surveillance cameras, if this happened, will, will capture it, you know, and then it will be released to the public yeah. and the public will be very upset to see a journalist rated on video like this so that's just something for the fbi too yeah and then and then the other part of your question was the big story well uh we have uh been uh planning uh with now uh, my new uh employer and when i say employer i'm a contributing um member of the blaze media uh team and i have been uh, in talks with them for several weeks now about this story. And as a matter of fact, I was up all night last night finishing the first draft of the first part of a multi-part series on that big story. And we're looking at right now, tentatively releasing that uh, 1st of October. And so after a, what, what, has been a solid year of investigation that I've been doing into this particular story. We're finally there. Now I've gotten a lot of criticism from a lot of people for teasing this for the last, you know, two or three months that it was coming and not releasing it. But I don't think uh, most people understand how complicated this is when you have a very complex story and then also all of the the legal ramifications and all the hoops you have to jump jump through and the editorial eyeballs that have to be put on this to make sure, A, that that it's exactly right. It has to be perfect because we're going to get attacked. You know, I'm personally going to be attacked by the mainstream media. There is this thing called the politics of personal destruction. They're going to come after me and they're going to come after the blaze and they're going to be critical because I'm about to go after a couple of their sacred cows. And then the bottom line is, as I have said, and I've been very open about this, we believe that we have uncovered specific uh, incidences of corruption and uh, genuinely a conspiracy between the Department of Justice, the FBI, and other entities in order to create and hide and manufacture evidence in J6, a particular J6 case that, uh, um, 
the American people don't know about, but we think we have found it. And that's because of my access to that 41,000 hours of video at the Capitol. Wow. Well, they, the DOJ really can't come after you now if you're, you're, you're covering them and then <laughs> they put you in prison. That's pretty damning of them. Well, they can, but um, the the great thing is, is that we have a lot of eyeballs on the evidence that I've discovered. We were able to, just last week, I was able to get back into the video room at the Capitol. I had I got two more days access, and during that time, I was able to bring in two other Blaze correspondents, a reporter and a video expert, to go in with me and get their eyeballs on it. And we also have a congressional staffer who saw and firsthand is a firsthand witness to the evidence that uh, I that I had discovered, and so we have um, created, um, you know what I think some people refer to as a, uh, uh, you know, kill switch or whatever in, in that, in that I have quite a few people with all of my notes, my camera numbers from the Capitol cameras, the time codes and, uh, all of my, um, years worth of research. And it's in several different people's safes, their gun safes. And so if something happens to me, whether it's a criminal prosecution, uh, they throw me under the the dungeon in D.C. or they put a gag order on me, this story is still going to get out. Good, 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 good. Um, And there's been mounting evidence against the Biden administration for their growing list of violations of the First Amendment, which I mentioned one of them, which was going through the appeals court, uh, the federal appeals court actually ruled that Biden was in violation of the First Amendment. Mm, mm-hmm. And uh, just last week, covered it on my Instagram, guys. Um, and there's a couple more cases going to be heard in the Supreme Court on Biden violating the First Amendment next month. So I'm sure that he doesn't want to keep stacking cases, including yours. So I, my fingers are crossed that they're not going to continue trampling the First Amendment by coming after you. It's just, it's honestly been heart-wrenching. Uh, and you know, if you focus on some of these things, it's really hard to stay positive, uh, to see people just trying to rip the foundations of our country apart. And you and I have talked about, uh, the declaration of independence and how reminiscent these times are to the times described in that document. Uh, you guys may not, most people don't realize the Declaration of Independence is actually a little booklet. It's several pages long and it tells the whole story of how lawless things had become. That there was, the courts were corrupt, lawmaking was corrupt, um, prosecution was corrupt, uh, criminal justice was corrupt, everything. So that we're kind of, it feels like we're getting back there. And, but I really like this comment from Keith. It says, the Bible says, as a man thinks, so is he snatch freedom in your mind and dare for someone to take it. Mm, That's great. Keep that mindset of freedom. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you so much, Steve, for coming on Uh, guys. I've linked his blog down in my description. He has dropped some details of what he's working on with this big bombshell coming out October 1st, if you want to see it on his blog. And I'll also have that video that we went over today and the indictment of Ray Epps in there, too, in my description. Uh, Everyone have a great night. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Ivory. 
Yeah, great having you on and we'll talk soon. All righty. All right, bye.